Should you be lazy? <laughs> we often hear the admonition to work hard, right? When we have difficulties, well-meaning people advise us to bear down, buckle up or lean in and work harder. But in this episode, we take a closer look at this piece of advice in the light of the 80-20 principle. Specifically, I'll introduce or reintroduce you to Zip's law of least effort and how it can help you do more by doing less. Most things don't matter, but the few that matter, matter a lot. Welcome to 8020 Productivity, the show dedicated to helping you do more by doing less so that you can have more time and energy to enjoy life to the fullest. Now here's your host, author, speaker, and productivity nerd, Anthony Sani. Should you be lazy? Well, you might be surprised to learn the answer. To understand what I mean, let's talk about the law of least effort. And as we do on these deep dive episodes, there's going to be some nerdy stuff we'll go through and ultimately some application. So let's get started first and foremost, just for fun with some of the nerdy stuff. Let's talk about what the law of least effort is, its origins, and some of the little interesting facts about it. So, what is the law of least effort? Uh, though mostly known as Zip's law of least effort, after the American linguist George Kingsley Zip, it was in fact discovered in 1894 by an Italian philosopher, Guilherme Ferrero. I hope I'm saying that right. The law states simply that organisms will seek out a path of least resistance or least effort for the achievement of their goals or ends. Organisms here cover everything from plants to shrimp to rats to, of course, man, you know, you and I. <laughs> in fact, speaking of rats, in experiments with rats, where experimenters made the rats go through various paths to find their food, it was found that over time, the rats develop a preference for the path with the minimal distance to the food. What's really interesting here is even blind rats, rats who couldn't see, developed this behavior as well as rats who could see, which implies to me that, you know, it's more than just the ability to see. It's also something built into organisms that just makes them seek out the path of least effort. In humans, the law of least effort has been shown to hold true for many behaviors. And if you don't believe me, well, take a hike. Literally, take a hike. If you ever go on hikes, you will quickly notice that there are some organic trail paths that follow a path of least effort with the terrain. I mean, even in our cities, not even going out to hikes, even in our cities, you notice, you notice probably that when sidewalks are designed so that they take a longer path to get to a popular payoff place, say a pond or a park or something, over time, a shortcut of least effort quickly develops, usually across some kind of green space where people make a beeline to their point of interest. So this behavior to seek the path of least effort seems to be somewhat encoded in us as human beings. And I remember being on a hike with a friend of mine out here in Alberta. We had gone up by a popular path, but then wanted to come back down by a lesser known path from the back of the mountain. And this path was supposed to be more scenic. Now, we were unfamiliar with the path, 
And we relied on these organic foot trails that I talked about that other people had created. What's interesting is every time we veered off these trails, we encountered some kind of dead end or some large obstruction in the way. But when we stayed on the path, we were golden, hiking along and enjoying some gorgeous scenery. In other words, the clearly defined organic paths had mapped out a path of least effort or least resistance for us to conveniently follow. As earlier mentioned, this law was popularized by George Ziff. You know, being a linguist, it's no surprise that Ziff stated the law of least effort in terms of vocabulary and language. Uh, in his book titled Human Behavior and the Principle of Least Effort, published way back in 1949, he put forward the observation that words are used in a way to minimize effort and to communicate as efficiently as possible. He found out that word usage follows a power law where a vital few words, a vital few words occur most frequently in speech. For example, in English, out of about 250,000 words, roughly the vocabulary of the entire language, only 100 words make up half of speech. Mind-boggling. It's crazy. That is, as a percentage, only about 0.04% of the words in English make up for about half of talking, about 50% of talking. And I'm sure you can think of instances of this in everyday life, not just with singular words, but with groups of words, what are typically called uh, set phrases that are used over and over again in common interactions from greetings to sales transactions. It's just too much effort to come up with new ways to greet each other or to transact trade and retail over and over. So what do we do? We take the path of least effort and we just keep deploying the same old phrases, you know, finding everything okay, or do you collect air miles, you know, etc. Unexciting and even uninspiring, but efficient, the path of least effort. But Ziff did not stop at language. He went on to observe that useful behaviors emerged mostly from the human tendency to want the greatest outcome or benefit for the least amount of work. That is, people often chose their entire behavior along the direction of minimizing the effort involved in attaining their goals. Scientists have found this attraction uh, to a path of least resistance in humans to be especially prevalent in the area of knowledge or information gathering or research. People are more likely to take the path of least effort to find their knowledge. Think uh, Google over a library or ask a colleague over pouring through company manuals and, and SOPs, standard operating procedures. Ask yourself, have you ever followed this pattern? And that brings me to an idea I would like to present to you. The idea that there is not one, but actually two kinds of laziness. A destructive or vicious laziness and a constructive or what I call a virtuous laziness. First, let's talk about the simpler one, the destructive laziness. The vicious destructive laziness. <laughs> I define this as a blanket aversion to work, period. This form of laziness is best defined as slackness. A weakened elastic band comes to mind. No spring, no force, no potency whatsoever. This person does not want to do any work 
at all. They prefer being horizontal over being vertical all day and will opt for the least amount of motion they can get away with. This is a vicious laziness, and I don't recommend it. It's tempting, but it's deeply destructive. Uh, Maybe you know someone like this. Maybe you have been this person at some point in your life. I think we all have at some point been this kind of lazy, just not wanting to do any work. Yet I find that it's interesting. Even the most, even the laziest person is not lazy about everything, are they? Except for the most severe cases of clinical depression, laziness tends to be selective and is more of a question of avoiding work, mostly because the work is perceived as unpleasant or meaningless. The exact same people who are too lazy to say, you know, write a report or balance a budget become incredibly animated, enthusiastic and like super productive, you know, when it comes to leveling up in their favorite computer game or exploring the terrain of of an exciting vacation spot. Their version to work is selective, highly selective, often manifesting more in the tasks or duties that they simply don't find to be fun. They're not lazy when it comes to leisure. This can be especially destructive when these undesirable tasks are the exact ones that make up for the means of livelihood. Bad things happen when you are lazy about your job. That is, lazy in a bad way, a way that simply avoids doing the work required to produce results. That was the destructive laziness. But you know, good things can happen when you are lazy in a good way. So what does it mean to be lazy in a good way? To answer that, let's talk about the second kind of laziness. A virtuous laziness. Uh, If you are a student of the 80-20 principle, you will likely have heard the name Richard Koch. He wrote the most popular modern book I'm aware of on the concept of 80-20, simply but aptly titled The 80-20 Principle. In one of his keynotes on the subject, he opens with a story that makes a great introduction and also a great case for a virtuous laziness. Let's go ahead and take a listen to the clip where he tells this story. One of my favorite quotations comes rather oddly, perhaps, from a Prussian army officer called General von Manstein, who had this to say about his people. He said, there are only four types of officers. First, there are the lazy, stupid ones. Now, did he suggest firing these people? Not at all. He said, leave them alone. They do no harm. (laughs) Because at least they're lazy. (laughs) Second, there are the hard-working, intelligent ones. Now, they're good, obviously. They make excellent staff officers, ensuring that every aspect of a plan is very carefully considered. And third, there are the hard-working, stupid ones. Now, these people, he said, he'd really got in for these, these people are a menace. They must be fired at once. They create irrelevant work for everybody. And finally, there are the intelligent, lazy ones. Now, these people are suited for the highest office. (laughs) 
So that's that clip from Richard Koch. And you can tell even from the audience, from the audience's reactions there, that uh, that concept really interesting and entertaining. And I hope you enjoyed that as well. But he makes a really powerful point there, doesn't he? Where he talks about the relationship between um, laziness and intelligence. And that's what I want to talk about here. Uh, not necessarily the intelligence aspect, but let's just explore this idea, what I've developed into what I call a virtuous laziness. This, this is at the heart of the proper application of the law of least effort and is the foundation and heart of virtuous laziness. Uh, a virtuous laziness, the way I define it, is a belief in a path, a path of least effort, uh, a road that avails us the most value for the least cost. It is a faithful adherence, if you will, to the belief that life time and energy are precious. Therefore, using any more of these precious resources than, than is necessary for the achievement of a goal is, you know, contrary to being uh, something praiseworthy, is actually immoral. Like the quote from Albert Einstein, with uh, an idea should be made as simple as possible, but no more. The correct application of the law of least effort means putting in as much energy as is, as is required but no more. And this usually, this, this actually flies in the face of what we've been taught to believe. You know, human beings, we, there's this concept called additive bias. It's, it's this tendency when, when they've done the, when they did the research and, and, and considered how people tend to behave in solving problems, we all have an, a bias to adding things, an additive bias. We, we don't often think about taking things away. When people are given a problem to solve, the natural tendency is to want to add things. We don't want to take things away. But the law of least effort often requires us to think differently, to want to take things away. And to understand what a virtuous laziness is, it helps to think about how the law of least effort can be easily misunderstood. And the easiest way to misunderstand it is to interpret least effort as low effort. Let's, let's take an example. Picking up a pen from a desk requires effort, albeit very little effort. Writing an enjoyable book also requires effort, but a lot more than, say, picking up a pen. In both cases, there is effort. Similarly, in both cases, there is a path of least effort in attaining the outcome. Now, while the path of least effort for writing an enjoyable book is many orders of magnitude greater than the path, than the effort required to pick up a pen, still, in both cases, I think you would agree with me, it is possible to spend more effort than is required for the goal. It's, it's very possible. In other words, we must embrace the difference between simply tending to the application of low effort, you know, aka what we've described as a vicious laziness, and the other side, which is being open, nay, not just being open, having an affinity for the exertion of great effort, but no more than is necessary for the achievement of a goal. This brings us to a really important aspect of the law of least effort, what I call the primacy of the goal. You see, one of the, one of the mistakes a lot of us make when it comes to applying effort and thinking about the 80-20 the principle, or just thinking about productivity in general, is we spend so much time on the doing and not so much on the goal. Everything we do 
as human beings, is naturally goal-oriented. We are what Asian philosophers have described as teleological beings, right? Uh, meaning that we are goal-oriented beings. We do things in pursuit of goals. But if we don't clarify those goals, then how can we possibly have any idea of how much effort it would take to achieve that goal? And this is why it's so easy to apply, but also easy to misunderstand the law of least effort. Um, there is an argument that could be made for just doing more work. But the question becomes, if your goal has been clarified, what would be the point of doing more work if you if you don't have to, to achieve the goal? Why on earth would you want to spend more time or energy on achieving those goals than is necessary? That's what I think is crazy. But again, the effort might be huge depending on the goal. If you say I wanted to become the best swimmer in the world, well, even for that, the path of least effort would be a ton of effort, wouldn't it? Being the best in the world at anything will require a ton of effort. You see, it doesn't, the, L, the law of least effort doesn't say don't put in effort. It just says don't put in more effort than is necessary. Well, then you might say to yourself, well, what, what, what if that putting in of more effort helps to build bigger character, helps to strengthen your character? Well, I would then say your goal includes the building of character. So it becomes somewhat subsumed in, in the bigger goal, right? And in which case, why would you want to do more than necessary in building character? So we see here that the primacy of goals is so important in understanding the law of least effort and in living by a virtuous laziness. It's an economy of effort that is as much as possible matched to the achievement of our outcome. So you might be thinking at this point, all this sounds great, but it sounds an awful lot like just efficiency to me. Uh, are we just talking about efficiency? Well, yes and no. I think it's a little bit more interesting or sophisticated or at least nuanced than just efficiency. I see efficiency as being closely related to the law of least effort, but not being the same, at least not in the sense of what comes to mind when one thinks of efficiency. Efficiency is often construed in the mind as how much can you do per time, right? How much can you do per time? The law of least effort is really about how little you can do per time to achieve your goals. With a clearly defined goal, the law of least effort and the pursuit of efficiency converge. So, having talked about some of the nerdy stuff, talking about the law of least effort, its history, uh, virtuous and vicious laziness, let's move into the application part of this episode how to actually use the law of least effort. And I'll provide you with three approaches, if you will, that will help you put this amazing law to effect. How to use the law of least effort. All of this fantastic talk about the law of least effort and all this jazz is, is not much use if we don't actually use it. Number one is a mindset shift, and I call it assume there is an easier way. 
I had a friend in university who had a weird nickname growing up. His nickname was Mr. Find Another Way. <laughs> that was because whenever he was faced with a problem, his answer was almost always, can we find another way? You know, what he was really asking was a better question. That means really, is there an easier way? This mindset or inclination is the first step in applying the law of least effort. It is based on first accepting that there is a path of least effort between you and the goal you want. It may not be obvious, but you understand in principle that it exists. Now, with one-step or two-step goals, it's pretty obvious, right? The shortest path between two points, they say, I mean, is proven, is a straight line. Hence the term straightforward. But when it comes to more complicated or even complex endeavors, inventing something new, building a successful business, uh, building a successful career, raising kids, it gets tricky. So in theory, the shortest path to the end goal is still a straight line, but the straight line is now less obvious. It is more obscure. There are almost sure to be deviations and tangents of all kinds on the path, mostly because the path itself is not so clear. However... If you accept and embrace as, again, a matter of fact and principle that there is a path of least effort to be found and you embrace that, then you are starting off on a much better footing. You begin the process of seeking it out instead of just the process of starting to work hard. You know, if we never even consciously embrace the concept of least effort, we are not likely to ever find the path of least effort. And so we're likely to fall into the working hard trap which is dangerous because there is such a thing as a destructive habit of working hard when that working hard is neither moving us closer to our goals or increasing our value, but is actually worse, you know, building bad habits in us and potentially, not potentially, almost certainly wasting our most precious resources, our time, our energy, essentially our life. So again, the first key to applying the law of least effort is to embrace the fact that there must be an easier way. And to go perhaps as far as regarding paths that we find are too difficult with suspicion to ask, can we find another way? So that was number one. Number two, let your first impulse be for learning. Have a curious mindset. You know, I call this love learning, but not too much. A little bit more on that in number three. But it's really important. And if, if, if we are to live by the law of least effort, we must love learning. Because it's through learning that we find the path of least effort. I'll tell you a little story to illustrate this. While family recently moved into a new house. And with this new house came a little bit more yard work to be done, let me put it that way. We decided to hire a landscaping company to do some of the work for us. And this landscaping guy shows up, right? He's got his gear, his tools, very competent, very smart, very good at what he does. He was very focused. And I intended to do the landscaping of the back of the house myself. And so I watched him. And I'd ask him questions like, hey, why are you digging the hole that big or instead of this big for, say, putting that plant in there? Or why are you only, you know, going uh, half as wide or twice as wide? Asking him questions like, why is he spreading the landscaping fabric in a certain way? And all this was me tapping into this gentleman's years. He said decades, like 20 plus years of doing landscaping work. 
And I was just able to download all this information from him in a matter of maybe a few minutes of conversation. Like That's the power of learning. It would have taken me much longer to figure all this stuff out. And when he finished his bit and it was time for me to do my bit of the landscaping, I recalled everything he said and everything he did. And, you know, it's not quite as nice as what he did. But honestly, for a first timer, the, the yard looks pretty good for something done by a complete amateur. What is my point? My point is there was a path of least effort to going from being a complete noob to having a half decent looking garden in the backyard. And it came from loving the learning being open to learning from someone. And that brings me to the really important idea of least effort, which is, I think, fitting because one of the manifestations of least effort we've talked about earlier is the fact that human beings tend to find the shortest cut to information. So ask yourself, when you're about to endeavor to start something, to do something, to attempt something, is there a who? Is there someone that I can learn from? If there's no one, is there a what? What knowledge? What information? What resources? Like we've seen, people pick Google over the library, right? Because Google is easier. I call this the find a friend or find a formula approach. Is there a friend or is there a formula out there for doing this? And once you take that approach, you will find you will cut through a lot of time and effort to the heart of what you need in terms of knowledge to actually do the thing that needs doing. So that's the second approach to applying the law of least effort. Love learning. Find a friend, find a formula for whatever you need to do. And then that brings us to the third. Number three in applying the law of least effort is what I call simply respect the streets. Respect the streets. Uh, this is what this is a, just a very, a very playful way of saying have an action orientation. The thing, things really come together on the streets. Uh, my landscaping story, the streets would have been my backyard, right? If you don't take action, you will never develop the all-important street smarts that you need to achieve your goal. You know, it, you, there will be learning, there will be introspection, there will be planning, but we simply cannot ignore action. You know, potential paths you strategize as you as you meditate and, and reflect on the law of least effort and all its philosophical implications and all that jazz. Um, this is like the 10,000 foot view, the bird's eye view, the strategy, you know, all that good stuff. But things happen at the ground level. You still have to navigate at the ground level. And the ground level often has many lessons of its own that, that has some degree of detail and resolution that you simply cannot get from a 10,000 foot view. What is it you're trying to achieve? At some point, you're going to have to get on the streets, get on the ground, get your hands dirty and actually do it. Here's where it gets interesting. Sometimes in a bit to strategize so much and philosoph philosophize so much on the law of least effort, um, spending too much time thinking, planning, strategizing, this itself becomes a trap. And this is the irony is you're strategizing because you want to apply the law of least effort and save time, but you lose time that you could be using to gain the street smarts that you need anyway, right, to actually achieve your goal. So that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Um, it's really a delicate balance. It's hard to tell when you've done enough learning and when you should get to action. But if you've applied numbers one and two, 
if you've adopted the belief that there is a path of least effort, you've gone out and done some learning, you you should be really sensitive to knowing, okay, it's time to get into action and just respect the streets and get the street smarts that you need to actually achieve what it is that you want to do. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the content we've covered so far in this discussion on the law of least effort and a virtuous laziness. Um, I'm trying to keep these episodes shorter because these deep dives, they get really deep. And sometimes, you know, an hour, an hour and a half in, it's a whole lot of content. So if you're listening to this and you wish maybe there was more, wherever you're listening to this, please go ahead and leave a comment and let me know um, what you think about the shorter versions of this. I'm trying to keep them to about half an hour or so. If you'd like to learn more, more deep dives, um, like more, more content, more examples, um, maybe more stories, maybe more of the nerdy stuff. After all, it is, I am a bit of a productivity nerd. If you'd like to learn more about that stuff, maybe going deeper into some of the scientific research, leave a comment. And also, if you think this is perfectly fine, this length and this level of detail, you know, go ahead and leave a comment as well. At the end of the day, these episodes are really to help you, to help me, to understand the 80-20 principle more, to apply it in life, career, and business, and to make the most of this precious resource of life that we have. So let's close with this. Um, the end of the episode so far on Zip's law of least effort and the surprising reality of a virtuous laziness. Just to sum up, it boils down to a few key concepts. Spend time clarifying your goals. The goals are what determine everything else. With an unclear goal, it is so much easier to fall into the trap of overworking, working too hard, and wasting our time and our energy. Uh, then embrace the idea that there is necessarily a path of least effort to achieving those goals. You can seek that path through learning, action, and experimentation. Know that work is necessary. And while a vicious laziness is destructive, a virtuous laziness will carry the day. Know that seeking the path of least effort is natural. It's a good thing. It's part of how we're designed as people, as individuals. We just have to use it more intelligently and more deliberately to our own benefit. Let me leave you with this thought. Life is too precious and your resources are too valuable to waste. Do as much as is necessary, but no more. Thank you, and remember, as always, it's not what you know that matters, it's what you do with what you know. Thank you for listening to 8020 Productivity. If you enjoy the show, then subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And if you'd like to learn about how Anthony can help you or your organization drive gains through smart, focused productivity, then head over to anthonysani.com. Until the next episode, Stay true to your vital few.